Welcome to Museum Archipelago. I'm Ian Elsner. Museum Archipelago is your audio guide through the landscape of museums. Each episode is never longer than 15 minutes. So let's get started. My name is Tamara Vishai, and I am a Spotlight Lecturer at the Museum of Fine Arts in Boston. And I produce the podcast, The Lonely Palette. Your podcast, first of all, it's really fantastic. This is not this is not part of the show. It is really fantastic. I enjoy every minute of it. And I kind of think that it makes going to the art museum obsolete. Oh I, wow. I, I wouldn't say <laughs> I wouldn't say it makes it obsolete for everyone, but if I had the choice of running into the MFA for a few minutes, which I sometimes do, and seeing one painting, I will prefer to re-listen to an old episode of your podcast. In other words, whatever people get about being being there with the actual piece itself, I get from your texture and commentary, I feel like this is a complete museum experience. It is a bite-sized chunk, and it is absolutely delightful. Do you have any comments? <laughs> well, thank you. Um, I think that's fine. I, I'm, I mean, I'm flattered, but don't, don't worry that that is a problem. You know, museum education is one of the more recent additions to the whole museum experience. And keeping those objects alive is what museums are for. And it's only more recently that people started to say, you know, the typical liberal arts education of our, you know, founding fathers isn't really the norm anymore. And somebody can go their whole life without understanding the relevance of this object in this context. And so to stay as functioning businesses, they need to make visitors feel more welcome. And in order to make a visitor feel more welcome, they have to know what they're looking at. And so you end up with much more of an emphasis on, on exhibitions and education and all that stuff. Seeing the object in person is a really individual experience. You know, I like being in museums because I love the way they smell. <laughs> you know, I love going straight up to a painting and seeing the brushwork because it just reminds me that somebody actually painted it. Because the longer I spend in this field, the further away from that you get. Tell me about these spotlight lectures that you give at the MFA. The way that I describe them when I give them is that it's the museum's, uh, the museum's opportunity to have a little burst of museum education just kind of popping out of every corner. So instead of really planning to go on a tour and meeting with your tour guide in the membership center, like in the visitor center, and everybody goes together and you really feel like you're committing to something, I will just pop out of the corner of a room and just say, I'm going to be giving this talk on this painting. You're welcome to stay. And Do you attack specific people? No, just, just whoever happens to be in the gallery. So you, how long do you wait in the corner? Do you <laughs> well, position I have yourself a, in the corner? I have a sign. Okay, okay. So, Fair enough. Yeah, Fair enough. it's more of a metaphorical attack. But, you know, people, people don't think that they want to commit to a talk, but people also always want to be told what to do. <laughs> you know, they want to be told if you're standing in front of a Pollock, you know, you want somebody explaining to you why it matters. And 
after doing them for so long, I'm, I'm pretty good at, at hooking them. Um, well, and, and that's where I really, that is where so much of the podcast came from is that I know I have to get people right away. You know, you have to do it in radio and you have to do it in a tour that nobody asked for (laughs) because you have to be able to say, Hey, you bet you didn't, you know, here's a provocative statement. Oh, now that I've got you stick around. Um, instead of very slowly kind of building towards your point because nobody, you know, I mean, you know, in radio, like you can't flip a few pages ahead and see where it's going to go and decide if you want to stay. How can, how do you know it's going well? How do you know a tour is going well? Or do you not even think about that in the moment? Oh, I think about it. Um, a lot of nodding, you know, it's like, I think we don't, realize that we do this but it's like you're listening but then if the person talking makes eye contact with you you start nodding and so that's how i'll know that people are are following you know people there there isn't a moment there isn't a moment when when you when you get to a piece of information that you just know is so delicious yeah that most people are gonna eat it up oh for sure (laughs) yeah sometimes and you know if if i'm not sure of the audience, I will crack a joke to see if they're with me. Mm-hmm. And if they all laugh, then it's like, okay, I've got them. And right. I can keep going. Right. Um, I'm not allowed to have any notes. So, That's part of, the, yeah. part of the tour. So I have to make sure I know where I'm going in my head before I go. And then I kind of go on autopilot a little bit. Because if I think too much, I'll lose my train of thought. And so I just have to let that like let my mouth go and then that gives me time to be like oh that person's paying attention oh that person's about to walk away oh that sure. person doesn't actually speak english oh i didn't realize that oh well they think it's compulsory yeah <laughs> but people always want to learn more about art and no one will ask everyone's afraid to ask for it but everybody wants it another brilliant part of your podcast is that before every episode before you've described the art piece itself we hear museum visitors describing the pieces in their own words do you did you always know that this would be part of your show? The more I interviewed people, and I got a ton of tape before I ever did anything with it, but the more I interviewed people, I was so surprised that they were terrified because of being on tape of being of being wrong. You know, you can hear that in their voices. Yeah, it's like it's not even just a question of like I have to tell them so many times that there's no right or wrong answer. Um, and I've, I've kind of, I have my pitch down now, but at the yeah. beginning, I just wasn't really sure how to get things out of them. And people were just really scared that they were going to be um, held accountable and sound like an idiot talking about art because most of the population thinks that they're idiots talking about art. And which is a, a real problem, you know, and it's a problem perpetuated by art historians and museum curators, but whatever, that's another story. They were also giving like the best uh, analogies for these, you know, like this one woman, you know, looking at at the texture of a Monet painting and saying that it looked like a sponge that just, you know, was like all smushed up. And it's like, you are everyone, you know, and you are exactly who I want listening. You know, you are exactly who I want explaining and describing this painting because that means that whoever's listening to this it's like okay that they see a sponge too right. 
and they're not going to get judged and I'm not going to judge you. And so very quickly, it just really came together because it was like right off the bat, you know, the the people that I interview at the beginning are such a good stand in for the listener. And then actually they would stay for the spotlight talk and they were like in the palm of my hand because they had spent so much time looking at this painting. Right. And it made those talks more fun. Right. That's fantastic. I think it works too because, because yes, as you say, that's, that's the listener. They're speaking in the voice of the listener, but it's also, it also gives you the kind of, it gives you as the listener the kind of direction of like, I'm hearing, I'm hearing them describe something that I haven't seen yet, and if I just if it just came in with your very soothing voice, it might be a little too highbrow. But by having this little bit before it, it kind of reduces the tension. Like I'm not in school. I'm not going to be. There's not going to be an exam. Like it's all. It's again. All very, all very well done. Well, thank you. I mean, I'm also, you know, I'm a teacher. And so, I mean, I've said before, like, I would rather work it at NPR than at the MFA. But if I'm making something that can be used as a resource for, you know, students in art history courses or, you know, people who just want to learn more about art history and not necessarily listening to it for the narrative radio aspect of it, that they can, that they'll have a shelf life. It's funny, actually, because the only other place you're going to listen to people talking about art is in an audio guide in a museum. And so, you know, it's not like this idea is so unique that way, but the expectation is that it's not about the audio production, it's about the painting, and that this is just an opportunity to stand in front of the painting with some headphones on and learn, you know, do what I do as a spotlight talk lecturer just on your own time. Right. The problem with those audio guides is that they're boring as hell and they take themselves just as seriously as the curators do because the curators make them. So, you know, you they usually like hire a British woman or man, but British and, you know, they have like Vivaldi in the background and, <laughs> you know, well, it's it's Vivaldi if it's Renaissance art. It's like, you know, it's like Debussy if it's impressionism like there's a lot more piano and impress like uh-huh. it's it's ugh. there's nothing wrong with asking for a little bit of help in front of a painting and saying okay why why does that matter and you get people t- you know especially for me because i love european modernism 20th century modernism it's like okay you know set the stage dateline world war 1 you know what would you feel if you were experiencing this or that. And isn't it interesting that if you walk from this Kirshner to this Mondrian to this Kokoschka to this Kolvitz, you know, that they have in the gallery to this Picasso, look at all of their different responses to the trauma that they were experiencing. You know, one one gets super messy, one gets super tidy, one goes back to classicism because it feels safer. And as soon as you turn it into that kind of a narrative, people are with you. And they're like, oh, I can see that. That makes so much more sense to me than this modern art that I was so ready to be so dismissive of and say, you know, my seven-year-old could do that. I'm now kind of opening myself up to, and not just the object itself, but the story that goes with it. 
Tamar's podcast is called The Lonely Palette, and it is available everywhere. If I haven't been enthusiastic enough in my recommendation, let me just say, if you like this show, you'll love The Lonely Palette. This has been Museum Archipelago. We hope you enjoyed your visit. Notes on this episode can be found at museumarchipelago.com. Next time, bring a friend.